probably be more comfortable with my shoes off. Um, and I'd definitely be more comfortable sitting. And if I sat on the floor, it would be even better. But that's not how it goes in this place. So um, welcome, everyone. Um, wonderful to see you all. Um, my name is Holly Freitas, and I am representing here um, several things. I'm representing um, the Women's Cycle of Life program, which is a program of um, community health evangelism. It's a module within community health evangelism. And I just want to share with you um, today some of the amazing things that have happened through this really simple offering of two ladies and their loaves and fishes. And um, ooh, I'm going to be a little teary. <laughs> um, this has been a really rough week. <laughs> and it's made this presentation even more um, powerful in my mind of why we do what we do. Um, my dad had a cardiac arrest last Tuesday, out of the blue, dropped dead at home. Um, and on Wednesday, so one week ago on Wednesday, I watched him have another arrest in the hospital room and them do CPR on my dad in front of me. And by God's grace, he came back to us and is alive and, and talking. Now, he's a little confused today, but he's alive and talking, and I think, who are we to deserve this life? Who are we to deserve the wonderful medical care that we have? And, um, and yet know that even if my dad didn't survive, that I have hope for tomorrow. This is not the end. And God cares about our suffering. And whether or not the outcome came to where he died as we stood there, or the outcome came as we live, that Jesus gives us hope for tomorrow. You know, and as I sang, um, great is thy faithfulness to him, it just overflowed. You know, when he was asleep and on the ventilator and when he woke up and the, one of the first days after he woke up, he said, and I said, well, I'm going to sing you great is thy faithfulness again. And I had to look up the words to make sure I got them right because, of course, he knows all the words. And so I was singing and he said, sing it louder, Holly. He said, because there's people in this hospital that need to know Jesus. And um, that's from my introvert dad. So it's really actually sweet to see. So I just want to encourage you today that God is really good. And he cares about suffering in the world. And he's showing us through his word and through the work that we do that he's there with us. Because we're not going to be able to save everyone. Um, but he's there with them. And he walks through the dark places um, with us. And we can have hope for tomorrow because he lives and he loves us. So, um, as I said, I, I'm representing several things. I'm representing Women's Cycle Life. I'm representing um, Medical Ambassadors International. Um, and then I work myself. I work for um, Reach Global. I'm using the Chase strategy um, and Women's Cycle Life. Um, I've been really privileged to be able to work with some amazing people around the world and train people in the last... Five years I worked as the representative for medical ambassadors and trained all of the African regions in this, metal, this Women's Cycle Life program. Um, our, um, our strategy and motto is develop, empower, release 
through Reach Global, which exactly fits in with what we do with medical ambassadors as well. And that is we train people, we, um, we, develop, we help to develop them, empower them, and then we release them. And you'll see how that kind of plays out a little bit in what we, uh, what we do with Women's Cycle Life. Some of the, the objectives we have is one, I want, want to talk about and think about what are barriers to reaching women with health and development and with the good news of Jesus? What are some of the, the barriers that we have? What are some of the ways that Women's Cycle Life Curriculum addresses those women's health and development issues we're going to talk about? The importance of holistic and a long-term multiplicative approach to women's health. And then we're going to, I'm going to give you some examples. Um, I have so many stories, and I can only give you a few. Um, and that makes me sad, because as I think about, I have pictures and stories from all over the world, and um, I really like to share them, but, you know, our time is short here. So I'm also going to give you um, some opportunities to ask questions at the end. I'll need make sure that my friends at the back actually make sure that they give me a 10-minute warning so that I know um, so that I know that they, um, how much time and that we can um, have a few questions. There are also, before I forget, there is a sign-in sheet. If you want more information, if you're interested in getting Women's Cycle Life training, knowing more about medical ambassadors, that is over on the um, left-hand side, my left, your right. Over there is a sign-in sheet. There's several brochures, so feel free to take those as well um, with you. And I, my cards are there as well if you're interested. So... We're going to talk a little bit about the status of the women of the world. Um, we've made progress, and that is really exciting, um, the progress that we have made in the world of, of raising the status of the women. However, women still make up two-thirds of the world's illiterate population. They're le less likely to receive an education around the world. They're less likely to receive health care. They're less likely to make a living wage. That means they're working, but they don't have enough to survive. They're less likely to make significant life choices. What kind of things are significant life choices? Marriage. Who you'll marry. Children. How many children you might have. Work. What kind of work you do. Housing, the type of housing. So they're less often to make, be able to make any significant choices at all. They're more likely to suffer all kinds of violence. If, you, if we knew the breadth of the violence that women face in this world, we would be crushed. And I'm so glad that Jesus never, God never intended us to know all of the evil Remember, we weren't supposed to eat of the tree of good and evil because we weren't supposed to know all that, right? We weren't supposed to know how bad it was. But the way that women suffer in this world is horrendous and ways that you cannot even imagine. And they're more likely to live in the most extremes of poverty. When we look at women or people below the poverty line, most of them are women. And most of them are living in rural areas, and in the most extreme is where you'll find the women. Well, Isaiah 
58.10 says, And if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like noonday. Well, that's what the call of God has been on my life. Women fit in that category as oppressed. It's not very hard to see as you look at any statistics. And you can look at status of women in the world. You can look that up um, on World Health Organization um, sites. The United Nations has sites. There's all kinds of places where you can look at the status of the world. And you will find very, very quickly and easily that women fit under this category of oppressed. And God really cares about whether we take care of them or not. Um, my life verse is um, John 17:4, and whether or not I finish the work that God has given me to do while I'm on earth is my goal. And I really like that to be on my tombstone, so if anybody's around, <laughs> she finished the work that God gave her to do while she was on earth. Well, what are some of the barriers in reaching women? Somebody, what are some of the barriers? Pardon me? Language barriers. We have language barriers. Men. Husbands can be very big barriers. Fathers can be big barriers. Absolutely. What? Male-dominated society. Male-dominated. So culture can be a barrier. What else can be a barrier? Education. Educational levels absolutely are barriers. Yeah. Time constraints. Wonderful. Those are... Great examples. Finances. No control over money or decisions, we already said. So, absolutely, I listed the same things that you... The same things that you listed. Low education levels, poor literacy, tribal language prevalence, meaning that women often know only the tribal language and not the national language. The difficulty with that is they're not, then they don't get all of the education that's offered by the community. So there might be um, national announcements that are made, and they're usually made in the national language, not in the tribal language. So any kind of educational materials, any kind of public uh, address announcements. Um, in Tanzania, they go with a loudspeaker, and they drive around sometimes, and they yell, you know, the announcement. And But if they don't know the local or the... Uh, National language, they're missing out on all the information. The home duties, um, being very busy at home. We talked about lack of decision-making ability. And poor self-esteem and the inability to talk about oneself. That's something that we have really developed in our culture, is that we're able to talk about ourselves. We're able to express our opinions. We're able to even look you know, at our feelings ourselves. And a lot of times women in the developing world don't have that ability um, to do where they can express themselves or talk about themselves. And that does cause a barrier um, in reaching them. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story about a a woman named Darlene. Darlene Lopez was uh, living in Nicaragua. Um, she was a victim of abuse. She had lived with an abusive husband or abusive um, a father of her children, boyfriend, uh, for eight years. She, as she describes it, is abuse of every kind. She was a victim of poverty. She made bricks. 
Um, she worked in a building site, on a construction site, and she built bricks, and she carried bricks on her back in the building site, and she was a victim of poverty. She never had enough to eat. She had um, children, three children, and her children had, didn't have enough to eat. Um, she was worried about how she was going to clothe them and send them to school. And she was a victim of her culture. She felt distraught. She felt embarrassed. She was a single mother. And she was a victim of her own self-perception. I'm not any good. I'm not of any use. God doesn't know I exist. Why do I even matter? And she was in despair. And she was a victim of bitterness. She was angry. She was angry at this man who had done this to her. She was angry at this lot in life. Well, then Darlene had an opportunity. She was asked to clean the office of somebody in Nicaragua who had been doing this development program called CHE. And so as she cleaned in there, they found out that she actually could read and write. She'd been to some school, and they said, would, would you, like, help transcribe, like, the numbers on some of the lessons on, so that we could keep track of a, of a catalog of the lessons? And, and she said yes. And as she began to, to look at what the lesson said, she started to realize that God cared about her, that God had a, a plan for life. That God cared not just about her her soul, but about her physical body, too. And that he cared about what she did and that she lived the abundant life. And so Darlene gave her heart to Jesus. About that time, um, Darlene heard about Women's Cycle Life, and her employer gave her an opportunity to go to school. Well, Darlene not only went to school to become an attorney, but she took on Women's Cycle Life and training the other women to receive the hope that she received through Women's Cycle Life in South America She's really a picture of victim to victorious. This is a a beautiful picture of her at her graduation with her husband. She was married um, after after many years of disappointment. She was married, and and, uh, I love this picture. I love Darlene. She and I email back and forth. She writes in Spanish, and I use Google Translate. And, and translate what she says, and then I write back in English, and she Google translate back into Spanish. And um, this woman has done amazing things. There's some pictures there, and, um, they're, you know, back in the old days, we didn't have, like, you know, cameras on our phones. And so we actually had to take real pictures. And so those are some of the real pictures um, back in, I think this is uh, 2005, when, when some of the, 2002 was when Women's Cycle Life was first introduced in Mesoamerica, so down in South America, and again in 2005. Um, in the most recent report, um, Darlene has impacted in, in a new area um, 500 women in 15 communities 
These women's groups are supporting each other in health education and microenterprise. Oh, you love that other. Well, I obviously started a sentence there that I didn't finish. Um, but th one of the things that they've done in this is that as they, they started teaching um, young girls about, um, about their bodies, about um, the changes that their bodies were making, and the girls went home to their mothers and their grandmothers and their grandmothers and mothers said, well, can we come to the class too? Um, because we don't know anything about it. And still they started to go. And in one area, the women said, well, we've never had a, had a pelvic exam. We've never had an exam. And so they decided that the way that they were going to get a pelvic exam is that we, they were going to, everybody show up, and every week they would bring money, and they would pool their money so that one of them could get the transportation to get to the clinic to get a pelvic exam. And so one by one, each of the women in the whole group were able to get that. And um, they found that actually 100% of them had an STD that had been untreated probably for years and years and years. And they f were finally able to get treatment and get better. Um, there are many stories of that where the women themselves have, once they have an opportunity to be able to work together and be, receive some of these materials and be uplifted, actually they're coming up with their own solutions and that's one of the reasons this Women's Cycle Life program is so powerful is because we put it into the hands of the people who are going to benefit from it. And they can choose their priorities and what they want to do and how they want to use it. Um, but it gives them an idea, a spark that lights a fire. And so this is one of the ways. Um, Darlene is also working with former prostitutes and teaching them sewing um, so that they can um, find new lives. Well, I don't know if you know about the Samaritan woman. She's a really good gal. She's actually one of my heroes in the Bible. And, you know, she was just, you know, she, she, she was kind of hiding out. You know, most of the time the women go during the cool of the day, early in the morning or late in the evening to go get water. But, you know, that girl, she was feeling kind of low and decided to go in the middle of the day, it was hot. She was afraid maybe somebody would see her. She was embarrassed. And she had a weight in her heart because she'd had husbands and affairs and some of those didn't work out. And she was in pain. And she felt like nobody... Nobody really knows me. And if they did, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't accept me. But it just so happened that this really good guy named Jesus showed up that day. <laughs> I bet you he might have known she was going to be there. And he actually went looking at the right part of the day. Because there was a girl there, a woman there, and she found out that he knew everything about her and loved her anyway. And knowing that changed her life. And I have to think that these prostitutes might be able to, like, understand that. And... Most of the women in the world that we work with, they can really appreciate that woman at the well. I love that story because it's so real. Well, 
I'm going to get a little nut and bolty here about how women's cycle life works. It works within the Che structure. I use this kind of diagram because there's some foundations of community health evangelism that make it effective. One you see is community ownership. We want the community to own it. All right? Nothing that my good ideas are not going to necessarily meet the needs of somebody in another community. They know what their problem is, and they also, given a little support, can have ideas to fix it. We use participatory learning. Essential, essential, essential to women who do not know how to read and write that do not have a voice because it gives them a voice. Integration of physical and spiritual. Why is it important to integrate physical and spiritual? Why? Are we only bodies? Because we're both. We're spiritual beings, and what we believe determines how we act. Sindio, isn't it? Anybody speak Swahili here? Yes. So I can say, isn't it? That's it. So we're physical and spiritual. What we think comes out in how we act. And we, unless we change how we believe and then how we think, we're not going to change how we act and then what the consequences are. And so we integrate physical and spiritual because without that, Nothing changes. And then we really address the prevention side. And women's cycle life fits inside of that. It is not outside of this circle or square or whatever that is, I mean. It's not outside. It's inside. And it's inside with other modules. What other kind of modules do we know that fit in there, Jody? What other kind of, what other kind of modules fit inside Che? So... Agriculture. Children's Che. Children's che. Microenterprise. Microenterprise. Appropriate technology. Yeah, lots of other. Perfect. Thank you. Lots of other things fit inside that. <laughs> yeah, lots of other things fit inside this. But women's cycling um, life fits inside. Why? Because it creates a structure to reach out to women in the community and into their homes. Remember, they're stuck at home doing all their stuff. They're speaking the language, the local language. We've got to get into their home. Unless the word gets to their house, they're not going to know it because they can't come to your seminar. It utilizes the participatory method, which I said, which is an evidence-based. We use evidence-based women's health education in that. Participatory so that people have an opportunity to speak and to learn um, by doing rather than just by learning rote and sitting with it, listening to a PowerPoint presentation and retaining about 10% of what you heard. It provides a strategy to reach the whole community with the gospel. And it makes use of sustainable resources. We don't bring stuff in from the outside because what they need, what God has planned for them to use to have full, meaningful lives is there. And so we want to make use of everything that they have. Oh, do you love this? 
I couldn't make it without. So community health evangelism, if you want to know, is a multiplication strategy. It often starts with a training team from a church or an organization that is outside of the community. That might be like Medical Ambassadors is an organization, and it says, well, we want to use the the um, CHE strategy to reach communities in the world. Or it might be a local church, or it might be another organization or non-government organization that wants to reach the community for Christ. Those people train up, they do awareness in the community, they tell people about the strategy, and then they train, they train up a committee. The committee is chosen by the community themselves um, to represent the community, and they decide what priorities they're going to have. Um, yeah. And then those people choose people from the community that will be what we call community health evangelists. Those people are volunteers from the community, and they come to training. They come to 30 to 40 days of half-day training, and they learn the, the, the lessons. They learn physical lessons, and they learn spiritual lessons. And then their job is to go home to home and home, home to home to home to teach about the lessons that they heard. So I'm going to have you do a little um, activity for me. So if you have a paper and pen, you don't have to do this, but, you know, it's helpful. So a lot of times when I go and I tell people about Women's Cycle of Life, they're like, this is so great. We should have a women's seminar, a women's health seminar at a church. And we we are so excited. We want to invite 500 women to come to our women's health seminar. And so... I say, well, that's a really great idea. How many people, how many of those 500 women do you think will tell everything they learned at the health seminar to their one neighbor? So they start with 500 people, and you can, you know, add one to 500 people, because maybe I show up and I teach 500 people, um, or maybe I just two of me, um, and we teach 500 people, and so... How many people of those 500 do you think they're going to teach everything they know to their neighbor out of 500 people? Well, let's do 250. All right, that would be really good. That's like overachieving, right? But let's, let's aim high, okay? And how many of those people do you think are going to teach their neighbor everything they learn from their neighbor? Mm. Pretty unlikely. Let's say five. All right? Well, how many people do we have so far? So we had two trainers and 500 women and 250. That's 772. Okay. All right. So how, Okay. Now, if I go train Women's Cycle Life and I train myself, I train 25 trainers that have, are in a, in a country. Say I go to Kenya, okay? I go to Ch- Kenya and I train 25 trainers, right? Those, let's make it easy, 26 trainers because that's easier to divide by two, all right? 26 trainers, those trainers are in two-person teams. So now I have 13 teams, right? Yeah? And those 13 teams, so are you keeping track on your paper? 
Okay, those 13 teams, okay, they each work in three communities. And then in those three communities, they're training CHAs, Community Health Evangelists. And they train about 20 CHAs. How many houses do you think the 20 CHAs go to each? How many each CHA? They go usually about 10 homes. They go to 10 homes. And how many people do you think live in the average hut house? Seven or eight? Ten? I cut it way down to five. Just, you know, we're just going to be really moderate there, all right? So who's done some math for us? Who's done some math for us? So now we want to look at our effort for me teaching 26 people. Anybody done the math? Okay, somebody do the math for us. Okay, so... 26, so 13 teams times 3 times 20 times 10 times 5. Wow, that's a little different than 555, isn't it? So we've reached with the same effort, instead of doing a women's seminar, which it's expensive to do a women's seminar for 500 people and have them spend the night, right, and feed them and everything. We've, instead of reaching 555 people, we've reached more than 40,000 people with the same effort. And so that's why this power of multiplication is so important And how much do you think that they're going to retain? Much, much more because they're getting a spiritual lesson and a physical lesson every time the Che comes to visit. And every time the Che goes to tell about it, they also get it reinforced in their mind. Cindille? So we also have a curriculum that addresses some of the barriers. We talked about... Oh, we didn't talk about that yet, but the the, uh, curriculum that we use for Women's Cycle Life, it addresses the issues and interests of common to all women. Um, It uses an oral training method that includes women who have little or no literacy. It gives individuals a voice but doesn't single them out. One of the greatest fears of women in the world is to be singled out and that they're going to be different or that they're going to say something and it might be wrong. And so we give them an opportunity by working in small groups that their voice is we instead of I. And that helps people to be able to have good ideas and be able to say them because people have really good ideas. They often just don't want to say them because they might be embarrassed. It utilizes really simple and reproducible training materials and fun activities. Do you know how many times I have done the hokey pokey? (laughs) Many of these women, women, remember, never went to school. They never went to preschool. They never got to color. They never got to cut. They never got to sing and dance and play as part of their learning. So it is a blast We do, you know, I've done hokey pokey and head and shoulders, knees and toes, and I'm a little teapot. And, you know, like my husband said, if you want to teach Che, you got to, you know, you got to lay aside the cool card 
because it's a lot of fun. And so we want people to have fun. And it reaches women in their communities and at their homes and allows women to choose their priorities. Some of the topics that we include are things like beauty in God's eyes. That's a little bit different than what the world says is beauty, isn't it? We have made in the image of God one of my favorite, favorite lessons because I get to teach about DNA. And you know all those little strands of DNA? Do you know when you, when you look with, at a microscope, look at them through a microscope, they're threads. Well, somewhere David talked about us being knit together in our mother's womb. David did not have a microscope. And yet God's truth was true even before we knew that it was threads that knit themselves together and that God knit us in our mother's womb. So I love that story. Um, They also talk about in that lesson um, how males and females are determined um, genetically. And that's really important because a lot of people don't understand that and they're feeling very responsible for something they have no control over. And so... Um, love that lesson. Anatomy and physiology of reproduction, women's hygiene, danger signs in pregnancy. Um, really fun, easy lesson. We don't diagnose. We want them to go to the hospital when they need to. And so that means everybody in the community needs to know that if a woman has a severe headache and is pregnant, she needs to go to the hospital. They don't need to diagnose her with preeclampsia or pregnancy-induced hypertension. But if she's got swelling of her hands, face, and arms, she needs to go to the hospital. Um, Husband-wife relationships, um, characteristics of a successful businesswoman, all things that women are very interested in. Most women, um, most certainly um, widows in the world have to have a small business and in order to survive. And most of them are shooting in the dark. I use the um, uh, object lesson where they hold a bottle cap and they have to throw it in and land in a circle. And the first time I have them stand and just throw it that way and see if they can hit the goal. Well, that's not very likely, is it? It's much easier when you know where you're going and what you're trying to achieve to hit the target. And so that helps them to think through the process and actually make sure that they're making a profit in their, in their business. So a little bit of the history of women's cycle life. Um, Charlene McWilliam was um, the mother of Women's Cycle Life, and she started writing this curriculum in 1999, and we were really starting to look at addressing HIV with, um, with pregnant women because antiretrovirals, nevirapine, had just come out, and we thought, wouldn't there be a really great thing to do if we could prevent newborn babies from getting HIV? Well, that was a very tiny, tiny little part of a very big thing. Two things. One, women's health. To HIV, and so we went on to write curriculum. About that time in 2000 is when I joined her, and the first CHEPS training, which is um, Community Health Evangelism Perinatal Support, that's what Women's Cycle Life used to be called. Now it's called, um, but now it was called CHEPS, and now it's called Women's Cycle Life because we're not just doing maternal child health education. So the first training was in Haiti. Um, where we started to teach women to care for themselves during their pregnancies. In 2001 is when it went to Mesoamerica, and then a movement began. This is the first graduating class in Haiti. 
Well, our vision for Women's Cycle Life was to see vibrant Women's Cycle Life outreach in every country where MAI has teams and our partners to reach the ends of the earth and wherever he opened the door. And we don't know how to count how Women's Cycle Life has expanded. We can try, but it starts expanding, and there's really no stopping it. It started spreading here in the Philippines. And this is how Women's Cycle Life has spread across the world. I'm going to tell you a story, another story about a a community in Nigeria. This community is kind of close to that little green thing, and it's called Foron. This they had a terrible, terrible situation. This was a, there were two small sister villages, um, and they had a population of uh, 982 people that were counted. Well, between 2009 and 2011, there were 22 births in this community. That was a fairly normal birth rate. But eight of the women died during that time, which is about 36%. <coughs> Fourteen of the 22 babies died. This community was a community in despair. This wasn't the only two years that they had this issue. As a matter of fact, when they looked and did measurement of how many women had a pregnancy loss, 45% had at least one pregnancy loss. It was tremendous, and they didn't know what to do about it. 63% of them had lost a child in early infancy or childhood. But at the same time, 70% of the deliveries were happening in the clinic. It didn't make any sense. More than 90% had gone to antenatal care. Three to ten visits, that's a lot. They didn't know what to do. They were despairing. It felt hopeless. You know, there's lots of little kids running around there with no mama. Because it wasn't just in the two years prior that the eight women died, but more had died in the previous years. And they didn't know what to do. When we surveyed, we found that only 38% of them knew about any complications in pregnancy. It was quite a mystery. I'm going to go back one. This community had a church that was not so far away. And there was a community health worker in this church. and, And finally, one of them, one of the people in the community said, you know, we have this problem The babies in our community are dying. The women in our community are dying, and we don't know what to do. Well, it just so happened that God had planted someone there. And this gal on the left-hand side, Fiona, well, she just happened to be there as a nurse midwife. 
And she just happened to be there because she felt God was calling her to this place in Nigeria. And she just happened to take Che training. And she just happened to take Women's Cycle Life. And she had an idea. And so she, she went to this community and she introduced herself to them and said that she would be willing, if they were willing to learn, she would be willing to work with them and talk about how they could reduce the number of women and babies that died. But there was a caveat. She wasn't going to give them any money. She didn't have any money. They were going to have to do it themselves. So they thought about it. And they decided, well, we have enough people and we have a big enough need that, you know what? We would be willing to learn. We'll be willing to learn what it takes. If you say we can do something, we'll do it. And so they did a survey, and that's where we find out the information that was there of a number of women who and infants who had died. We found out what they were, why they were upset about their clinic, the things that were going around. Going wrong, they found out that many of them were having postpartum hemorrhage, that many of them died of infection. They were upset about the service they were receiving in the clinic. They were afraid to go. Some of them even thought it was safer to deliver at home. And so, with the information from the surveys, there was some more thinking going on. And they decided, well, the best thing to do is first to, to introduce Che in this community. Because if these can't be somebody from the outside, has to be people from the inside that take care of this problem. And, and who's going to bring these lessons of help and hopeness and hope and healing? Hopeness. What kind of word is that? Help, help and hope and healing to people in their homes. It had to be the community itself. The people from the outside didn't know the language. The people from the outside didn't know who lived in each home, but the people in the inside did. And so they connected the the um, vision seminar. The community decided to go ahead, and they decided the first thing they wanted to deal with was this this issue of maternal child health. And so they conducted a TOT1 training. So that's the first training, and they had trainers within the community and a um, committee that was that came out of that. They also had Chase, who were trained in a combination of women's cycle life and home and birth life-saving skills. I don't know if you've heard of H-Bliss. Um, it is a midwifery curriculum that we have adapted for use in CHE programs that's modeled very much. Um, we use the same CHE strategy, and it's very effective in helping people know what to do in um, times of danger during um, delivery and postpartum. And um, there's some great video from Pakistan about men who took the bliss training because women aren't allowed to go, but the men in the community did. And I wish I had that video to show you, but it's hysterical and fabulous of the men pretending to be pregnant and in labor, and um, they do the whole thing. And they're not laughing. They're very serious about the whole thing because they've decided to take care of their women. Anyway, so they were... um, they were trained, the Chase were trained, they began visiting their neighbors and teaching the physical and spiritual lessons. 
This is the first community meeting. Hopefully it comes up for me. This is their first community meeting. And their initial survey with the men in the community. And then the CHE training. It was a big church, so they're, you can only see part of it. But. And then they trained skilled birth attendants. Um, one of the opportunities that Fiona had is that she was able to train the nurse midwives, the skilled birth attendants, and the nurses that were already around. She had done her work to get her license in, um, in Nigeria, um, her nursing and midwifery license in Nigeria, so that she actually worked in a hospital. Um, and that gave her a lot of credibility. She also delivered while she was there during this project. She delivered a baby in one of the Nigerian hospitals, and that helped her to understand the situation. Um, she survived, and so did her baby. Um, but that really did help her understand the situation along the way. And um, she was able to provide then this training to the nurses in the clinics and in the, um, in the area. And uh, here's a picture of their committee. And the chase, these are the people that go home to home. I love to see this picture because, you know, sometimes it's hard to get chase to visit home to home. But these were very motivated chase. Whose project was it? Theirs. And, man, they had them coming out, coming out the you know, woodwork there to be chase and go teach this in the community. Well, this is the stunning results. Well, first of all, the community donated the land and built themselves and funded their clinic all the supplies for their birthing clinic because it was theirs. The women decorated the clinic so it felt like home and it felt safe. The staff from the local area volunteered to work in the birthing center. So the nurses, they were excited. This community knew about health. They knew how to keep themselves healthy. They knew to show up. I don't know if you've ever been a nurse in a place and people don't know know to show up. They show up really late. And you're in big doo-doo when they do. Because you don't have the supplies, you don't have the manpower, and they're already half gone. So people knowing to show up early on, I mean, makes your job as a nurse all better. You can do something. In the following two years... There were no maternal deaths and only one infant death. This community had won. They did it themselves. We don't know what has happened. Boko Haram has moved into that area since then. We don't know. We can't do a proper survey. Um, David Bachuri, who was the, one of the leaders in, um, in Nigeria, died of, I can't remember what he died of. I remember Tuberculosis. Um, David Bachuri died, and that was one of the problems why it's difficult now to follow up and find out what happened. But we trust the Lord is still doing great things. Well, Women's Cycle Life and um, CHE is a fabulous thing because we know how to connect to the community. It opens lots of doors for us. Um, lots of people know that you should connect with a community. They know that, you know, there's best practices and that community should decide and everything. But we at Medical Ambassadors and through CHE know how to do that. We're getting entry into previously closed communities. Um, last I heard, the most recent CHE Women's Cycle Life Program I know is in South Sumatra. And um, I don't know if you know about that, but you really can't you just show up there and do anything. 
So in Indonesia, so yeah, that's the latest one that I know. And I'm trying to get some statistics on it, but I don't have any yet. We're engaging brand new populations that have not been engaged before because of the Women's Cycle Life program. In India and Nepal, um, Women's Cycle Life is going gangbusters. In um, Pakistan, they just recently had a training in August. Wasn't it August? Training in August, and they started training the next week. They did another Women's Cycle Life program and did more training for it. So we're getting, getting, engaging brand new populations. Women's Cycle Life has breathed new life into some previously um, going, that's not a good word, but anyway, but previous CHE programs. Some of them needed some new life, some, you know, a kick in the pants to, you know, keep going and some new ideas, and Women's Cycle Life has done that for them. Um, we're being able to integrate it into instruction of nurses, midwives, and other health professionals and I'll talk a little more specifically, but I know in, um, in Haiti, um, they're going to start very soon with a midwives program using Women's Cycle Life. Um, and in Tanzania, which I'm going to show you next, we're going to do some um, instruction with nurses. We're working and have opportunity to partner with lots of other organizations. How am I doing on time? Just about there. Do I have 10 minutes or less? Okay, perfect. Okay, and we started partnerships with other organizations. One of the really exciting things, um, I've actually just been approached by a gal that's in Geneva, and she's developing a smartphone app for maternal child health care, connecting women in the community to the health center. But my portion of it is helping her to understand that there needs to be the community ownership and the community pull and the demand, really, for the product, because it, you can develop a product, but... If people aren't using it, if they're not helpful to them, they won't use it. And so um, there's a partnership with this um, organization that's a potential really great opportunity for us. Um, another opportunity that has come about is actually to um, reach Tanzania. Um, Tanzania is the little yellow, golden country down there um, on the east coast of, uh, Tanz of Africa. Um, I've been working in Tanzania since 2006. I normally live there. I've been on just a home assignment for the last um, year because I guess God knew that my dad was going to have a death experience, I guess. Um, so I've been on home assignment, and um, God has provided that. But we live in Tanzania normally. I work out with Maasai people. Um, and, um, but we have an opportunity as a, a team. I'm starting a team. I'm a team leader. And we're going to work in a nursing school. There we go. In Arusha area, um, we started asking, what are the reasons that in our women's health training, we asked, why do some people do go to prenatal care and some people don't? And, you know, we kept getting the same answers all the time. They're afraid of the health care staff. They're afraid they're going to be yelled at. They're afraid they're going to die. And you know what? The people on the other side, we started asking the, the nurses on the, in the health centers as, as well. And, you know, they're understaffed. And they're stressed out. They're isolated. They're alone. They're sent out by the government. After they graduated nursing school, they get hired by the government and sent out to remote places. Well, these are city people. They went to school. They went to nursing school, and now they're sent out to the hicks, you know, the bush out there. 
they don't know anybody. They're by themselves, and they're given the responsibility of caring for this community. Well, the other thing that's happening in Tanzania right now is that there's a big upsurge in recognition that their maternal child health situation is really bad. 79,000 women die each year from childbirth-related issues. Lots and lots of babies die. We don't even know how many because we don't count stillbirths, hardly. Any baby that's born that has no signs of life, there's very little attempt to resuscitate them, and they often don't get counted. They're kind of the uncounted among us who die. Well, so they want the skills that we have, and we're building a team using Women's Cycle Life. Um, we went to nursing schools, and we said, you know, we think there's this problem. What do you think? Do you think that there's, you know, like a gap between the community and the health staff? And they're like, yes. Yes, and I said, well, you know, we know how to teach people how to connect with the community. And they said, please come. And so we're putting this team together. God's putting the team together. It's kind of slowly, slowly, poly, poly. Um, but it's happening. We plan to launch the team in January in Arusha. We're looking for people who are interested in, number one, loving on nurses who are going to be able to go out and provide care for the community. We want people to love on them. They're going to be discipled. We're going to train them in um, modules, different health modules. We're going to teach them helping babies breathe. We're going to teach them um, H Bliss, the Bliss. We're going to teach them an IT module. We're going to teach them some English. We're going to help them with their homework so that they can actually pass their exams. We're going to train them in critical thinking skills for nurses. We're going to do discipleship and mentoring with them, train them to disciple the next year's um, nurses, and we're going to train them in community health evangelism. And then we're going to take them to the local pastor training college, and they're going to do women's cycle of life with the pastors and their wives so that the pastors and their wives are able to understand CHE, have a taste of women's cycle life, and when they go back to their communities, we want the nurse and the pastor and their wife to be a training team. So our real goal is, come on, oh, 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 love on the nurses, provide teaching models. I forgot I put that up there. Anyway, so then these nurses get hired by the government, remember? And they get sent out all over Tanzania. So our goal is actually to flood Tanzania with CHE training teams, people who know and understand how to connect with the community so that the communities can be, um, and to give them a vision for the community, to reach in the, the community both physically and spiritually for Christ. And let's see if this works. Okay, everybody. Oh, oh look, they might. Sometimes... The smallest changes in one person's actions can transform the world around them and touch the lives of hundreds. At Medical Ambassadors International, we are blessed to work with many such people. My name is Candida Oneida Landon Garcia. Through community health evangelism, MAI's holistic approach to Christian ministry, we empower women to see their value in God's eyes. Madame Joseph Kilusma and Senora Blandon Garcia are two of many women in countries all around the world whose communities are being changed.
Through training in water sanitation, literacy, safe pregnancy and birth, family relationships, and small business skills, Medical Ambassadors International equips women to identify local resources and take an active role in the development of their families and communities. The changes in these women and their communities are not merely external. There is an inner transformation happening as well. What happens when a woman sees herself, both physically and spiritually, through God's eyes, when she can lift her head with confidence? Churches are strengthened, schools are built, her family and neighbors are blessed. Little by little, her community begins to change. This is what we at Medical Ambassadors International have witnessed again and again. God raising people out of brokenness and into victory. As we equip men and women to make a difference in their communities, He transforms them and touches the lives of countless people. Join Medical Ambassadors International in empowering women around the world for their good and God's glory.
overlooking some of the things that we think are barriers to us going to the field. And, you know, those financial barriers, you know, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is there and he provides every single day of every single month of every single year. I would never have thought that I would give up my nursing job. I worked at high-risk obstetrics and, you know, for lots of years, 20 years or something like that. And I would never have thought, I mean, I, you know, my husband gave up his job as a contractor. And, you know, though that big leap of faith at that point, and yet God is so faithful. He's so good to us. You know, the other things, he takes care of those too. You know, leaving our mother and father, man, that's hard, isn't it? And our brother and our sister and all those people. But God takes care of those things. And, you know, in his divine Love for us, even, you know, he puts us even to be around them. And what a gift that I could be here when this happened to my dad. And, you know, God knew that way ahead of time. So you trust him. He's good to you. He's a good, good God. And he wants us to know it. He wants you to know that he knows everything about you. And he loves you anyway. So God bless you all. And um, may you be inspired. Any questions or you're done. Anybody have any questions that they want to just ask? I know it's time. Yes? Oh. Yeah, well, I'll be here for a few minutes if you need me.